friends, it's Sarah May, and this is an episode about frustration and dissatisfaction with where you are right now. Because if you're in a place of constant frustration, you're just wanting to be somewhere else. You're wanting to be in the future, wishing life was better, maybe wishing it was like it was in the past, and maybe you are working towards some kind of personal growth, and you're getting mad at the slow speed that that is happening. Maybe you've been struggling to make something happen for a long time and it hasn't happened yet and you're getting just bummed out about that. So this is the place where a lot of us get stuck because we're taught that if you set the right goals and you work really hard, you can achieve them and then you'll be happy. So if you're driven, what you end up doing is just that. You pursue goals hardcore. And over time, you realize that most of your life is spent in the getting there part of it. And so the point we reach is a place of frustration with ourselves, with the universe, with the path, with how many obstacles there are, everything between us and our goal, our ideal self, our ideal job, our ideal life, whatever it is, a marker, something we desperately want to feel whole. And this is not about taking out the goal. It's not about deciding that it's negative or that you shouldn't want that. All goals are good and possible. I a thousand percent believe that, that you can and will have everything you want. You decide the work is worth it and you unabashedly go for it. This is about something that happens along the path to self-realization. We end up setting goals from a start position And in the process, we stop learning. We lose sight of the sidelines and the path itself because as we are going, it is coming to light. So we kind of suffer a single-mindedness that prevents us from accepting new awareness that is very vital to us, to our happiness, and to us achieving this goal. So it's not that the goal itself is sour. It's how we insist we must get there, the control part of it. And the control part of it is where dissatisfaction comes to play. I'm doing this podcast in honor of Irene May, my grandma, who just passed. And I got to be with her, which was such an honor. It was a huge blessing in my life. And I chose this topic to honor her because of the role she played in my life. I got to visit my grandma on a weekly basis. I got to sit and have lunch with her. I got to bring her to class with me during college. She picked out my wedding dress. She was the kind of best friend that gives you a glimpse into another century, a hundred years of learning, and just relates to you on a very human girl level. And she lived through a whole lot. She met the love of her life and had him by her side for 73 years. And she lived through the Blitz. It wasn't all colorful and wonderful. It was, well, it was colorful. But this woman in my life was grounding. And she still is in how she talks through me. What she represented in my life was the truth I know but I lose touch with when the petty shit takes over. Just like all of us, it's the hyper-focus on the immediate situation versus life as a whole. And all it takes is one visit with a person like this, one interaction, just even making eye, to- eye contact with a person that has vast and deep perspective via life lived. And just to have that person recognize you down to your capacity as a human kind of shows you your own light. It resets the bar of, oh yeah, actually life's pretty okay. And so that's what I'm hoping to inspire or reset or give you access to with this podcast. Compliments of Irene May. 
one of the greatest heroes of my life. Because you're a lot stronger than you demand yourself to be. And that's because of circumstance. It's not that you're lazy or you're selfish or you're choosing not to be. It's that you likely don't have the benefit of perspective, of a test of your capacity to show you that it exists at all times. It's like not having a permanent reminder, like a scar, like a world war that sets in you perspective to appreciate and accept what is worth fighting for, what is worth lamenting, and what is simply a shitty and trivial obstacle. And how would you rather live? I know I would rather live as the person that has the built-in perspective. Duh. But we can't all have that. And we all strive for that. And I know that with all self-improvement, the goal is to put down the stuff that's not serving us. It's to put down what we don't want. It's to become aware and really choose change. It's to get down to business and empower yourself to manually reset who you are. And I know that in particular, it's really tough to create the contrast of perspective in yourself from scratch, especially when it comes to things like frustration and gratitude. So this is all built around an understanding that that's where we all start. This is not about blaming you or deciding that it's your fault because it's not you. It's everything around you and its effect on you because it's a lot. It's a lot to fight off on a daily basis. But you can absolutely empower yourself to change. And most importantly, you can ask more of yourself in the area of bravery, maturity, and balls. Sorry, Grandma. She was a proper British lady. But truly, be brazen about the way you challenge yourself, your beliefs, and what you face on a daily basis. And be brave enough to be honest with yourself in this life. That honesty that you use on a daily basis to talk to yourself and show up for yourself and confront yourself, that is how you can really make the most earth-shattering and profound growth. That is how you change your life and you change the world as a byproduct. Because beyond what you even have written in your journal as hopes, you have capacity that will just explode. It's all inside of you now. So with that, let's get started. And there are three parts, the what, the why, and the how, the tools. Part one, the what. Frustration, dissatisfaction with what is today, right now. And it comes from a place of a refusal to accept. And it's a part of us that is fighting with what is. And usually what happens when we don't like where we are right now, we tend to either find relief in the future, looking forward into what we want, or in the past. And we are literally saying that what is, is not good enough, that it should be something different, that it needs to be changed, and that it would be better if it was another way that we could imagine. And that's a conflict within us that's saying things are not what they should be. So that's what we don't realize, is that our dissatisfaction is what is creating our dissatisfaction. That it's the exercise in itself that manifests the majority of the outcome. And it's not the literal conditions of life. I know that's easy to say, and it's really hard to change the way you feel based on that information. So hopefully I'm going to give you enough information that you can reorient orient your intention and change your perspective. So instead of focusing on the outcome, it'll be shifting your approach to looking at your day. Because really, this retraining process is all about practicing deliberate ways of being. It's practicing a new perspective when it doesn't feel natural until it does become natural, until it becomes a part of who you are. 
in general, everyone falls into two groups. You're either a future-focused person or a past-focused person. And so if you're a goal-oriented person, you're always focusing on the future. The present will always fall short. Because if you live with a pervasive sense of, I need to be over there, you're never going to be satisfied with today and you're constantly trying to catch up. So what that does, unbeknownst to you, is undermine the value of your present. And that's not fair to you and your enjoyment of your life. And that has immense value in ways that you forget about when you are in pursuit of goals and aspirations. You forget about the value of today. So if you are focused on the past and the other group, you tend to stagnate and fixate on what was, what should be, that is now past, and you create a present that exists in a replay, kind of like a head movie version of old memories. And it feels like you are somehow clinging to old memories, when in reality, you are just coloring your present. You're reliving via your imagination old memories in your present moment. So it's really just occupying yourself from action. That's when we stagnate. That's when we tend to stop rowing and start drifting. It's when you stop paying attention to where you are now. It's totally okay to be future-focused or past-focused. But what you must become aware of is that it is affecting the way you live now. It's changing the majority of the content of your life just because that is a way of being. That is who you are. That becomes the biggest ratio of what makes up you as a person because it's the way you conduct yourself. It's your focus. It, it's literally changing the way you walk. So you might be instead walking in tiny steps versus running. So you are making that experience, that dynamic in yourself, into literal terms, what is your life? And that is when you get a lot of dissatisfaction because your present life, where you exist, the biggest ratio of where you are, is not that fun. It's not good. It should be blank. It should be past. It should be future. But it's never enough. So they deny the value of the present and what it has to offer you, what it has in gifts, what it has in lessons. It also cuts you off from a great amount of learning that will actually help you to get to where you want to go. So it's almost like you're choosing to not look at all of this rich learning and and tools that are around you all the time. It's almost like uh, you're so hyper-focused, you can't see that someone's handing you like a ticket to the place you want to be. So the real successes will be made when you take in gifts from your environment, when you take in opportunities from chance. That is such a large part of what makes your life great. And that's what we tend to forget when we become very driven and self-possessed and focused on a very specific track of growth. You start to block out anything else that you don't believe is this thing that's driving you and helping you. And then you end up fighting with yourself because you're frustrated, things aren't going faster. So it's like a version of muscling an outcome versus accepting the tools you have to work with. But the battle itself is trivial. You're fighting with a reflection. The real battle is one outside in the world where you can actually apply learning and take in lessons. There's a Buddhist principle called the 10,000 events or the 10,000 things. And it's basically describing the path to enlightenment. 
And in your lifetime, it basically means that you will have 10,000 events that will enter your life that will teach you something that you can learn from, that you must confront and allow to change you, to uh, progress your growth as an individual. And in order to become enlightened and in order to fulfill your path, your destiny, you have to learn from these things. You have to accept them and react to them and experience them. And you have to move through them honestly. You have to confront them as they are and deal with them. And so when you get into a place of, no, I don't want these things, I want something else, like when you start to get into a habit of controlling your outcomes, what you do is blind yourself to these lessons. You tend to cut off from them and say, no, I'm not going to deal with that. I'm going to go around this way. And what you end up doing is stopping your own evolution. And it's also to believe you can control things. That is not how you grow wisdom. It's not how you grow new muscles. That is to be intentionally blind and it's to live in denial. So the truth behind that proverb is that you have to live in a state of acceptance, of being honest with yourself, of accepting what is for good or for bad, and then react to the truth for good or for bad and move through it. You have to be honest about accepting what is and then take action based on what is. And sometimes it's going to hurt and sometimes it's going to suck and you're not going to like it. But then what happens is you come out of it and you're a different person. You're wiser. You're stronger. You grabbed a new tool along the way. So what I want you to take from this is to not feel shitty about the trajectory of life and growth and be bummed about it. It's to realize what you want to assume at all times in your life. Just this is all that I'm proposing. Is you have to assume a state of openness. You have to check yourself and maintain the state of complete and utter honesty and openness to receiving what needs to be heard. Let that goal guide you. Because when we get stuck in not liking things and not wanting things to be so and to blocking them and ignoring them, is we just stop ourselves. We get to a place where we don't want to be there. We don't want the life we're living. And suddenly we've taken away all of our empowerment. It's when you start to allow all of your subconscious fears, all the pettiness in you to call the shots in your life. And that's a common state to be in, completely operated by your subconscious. When you choose to not deal and to not look and it just becomes a habit, suddenly you are left with your deep down, just lowest form of self making decisions for you. Suddenly you're like, why am I not doing anything about this? I don't like my job. Why am I stuck in this job? Because your subconscious, because you shoved the truth down to your subconscious, your subconscious is the one that's saying like, we can't do anything about it. We're helpless because I don't want to deal with confronting it. So if you're dissatisfied and frustrated currently in your life, it is because you are not accepting the truth of things. And instead you are fighting the existence. You're wishing you were somewhere else and you're not confronting the present moment. So this instinct is coming from an unconscious habit created by your ego. And I don't mean you're an egotistical person. I mean everyone has an ego and that's just your brain that labels you I versus stays connected to your natural form. So sometimes what we need to do is reset and step back and really force our ego, our brain, our thinking person to examine openness, examine what am I not looking at? Which brings me to the why, part two. So resistance creates frustration and discomfort and refusal to 
acknowledge things creates ignorance and disempowerment. And both of these are negative things in your life. And there are things we are doing to ourselves, which is madness. And why we do these is usually because we don't have anything helping us to not. You get so stuck in striving in your head. It's like, that's all there is to worry about. What I'm trying to say is, it's very easy to get stuck in the routines of your brain. And where we tend to get blindness is where we have been bruised or vulnerable in the past. So it's always somewhere old. And it's often so old, you cannot see these places anymore. You cannot find these spots on yourself anymore. Because the muscle got so overprotective that you don't even notice the patterns of resistance are there. So now I want you to really start to notice your ways of being, your patterns, your isms, your places where you resist and say, no, I don't want that. I'm not like that. To not hearing, to not listening, to not staying open, to not really confronting. Because they're all run by our brains and based on what we affirm as ourselves and our belief system, we tend to become very, very proud of our ethics and we back up all of these resistant spots. It's how we define who we are. It's how we relate to others and share our likes and our loves. It's saying, I am this way and I'm not this way. It's not a negative that you have these in the first place. It's just a negative when it's hindering your growth. So that's why quiet meditative time is essential to your happiness. Mindfulness is not about blocking yourself off. It's about witnessing kind of the subconscious patterns, tuning in and clearing out. So really noticing the fears and the worries and all those base level survival thoughts. And that's when we're in a state of stress that we tend to revert back to survival mode. So when we start to notice those fearful thoughts and those worries and kind of bring them into the light, we can align ourselves quite literally to our highest self. So we reduce chatter, we reduce the zigzagging mental chaos and create harmony, single-mindedness, clarity. And it is with this harmony that it becomes easy to align to our highest self or highest values and our goals and act in alignment. So you must become a witness to the truth of what is and what needs to be done. And in order to do that, you have to have the ability to listen and to respond. So when we live in a subconscious fear chaos mode, we overanalyze, we tend to block out the truth of things altogether. And instead, all we see is our fear, our judgment, and our resistance. Quite literally, when your brain is stressed out and overwhelmed, you are in a beta brainwave state. It's when your brain becomes totally crazy, out of rhythm, out of balance, just random waves of electricity. If you were to take an EKG to your brain, it would be all over the place, just covered in noise. That's when you feel in a state of narrow-minded, over-focused, obsessive, compartmentalized survival thought processes. Conversely, when you are calm and mindful, you go into an alpha and then eventually theta state. And that is perfectly even, harmonious waves of thought. And that's when you feel balanced, open, creative, receptive. And quite literally, meditation creates this. It synchronizes your brain waves and it creates a way of thinking that is orderly, that is composed and control. So the goal of maintaining habit of mindfulness is to basically maintain mental balance. It's when you are able to be most efficient and with practice you get to develop a sustainable kind of brainwave pattern. And then meditation becomes like a skill, like a muscle. You get good at it. So don't be discouraged if you've just started meditation. Eventually, it gets easier. 
which brings me to part three, the how, the tool. To begin, I want to ask you to examine where you are right now in your life, just from a new vantage point. I want you to look at your life as it is right now, as, as if it was the end of your life, as if this was the last day you were alive. And I want you to look at what you would hold on to right now. What would smart if, you were to, if this was the last day you were alive? What is left unresolved? What kind of pain and worry do you have and what resonates? Would you be ready to leave this life? And if not, where are you stuck? What would be your regrets? And what lessons would you need to have learned? I know that's a lot to ask, so just give it some thought. Plant it in the back of your mind. Are there things you would have liked to have said to others? Or are there things that you would tell yourself to change? Would you realize you had wasted valuable time in your life? And how? What would be things you would regret? Would you hold on to fear? Would you feel remorse for anything? Just take note from that perspective and circle what you need to work on today, right now. What do you want to change about the way you choose to live your life currently? And take it seriously. Really get into the mindset of your end-of-life wisdom and perspective. How does that person look at where you are now, at where you place energy? Will you wish that you enjoyed life more or that you tried more things? Allow yourself to learn from it, to take it seriously, and to have it affect you. Allow that perspective to change you. Don't brush it aside like, well, that would be great, but I still have to go to work. Choose to keep this perspective as a part of how you live your life. And invest in things that ring true for you in general from around you in your environment. If something speaks to you, listen to it. Carry more of it with you. Bring more of it into your mind. Because that means there's something that you can learn from it. Because you can alter the quality of your life dramatically if you pay attention to what affects you and you take it seriously and integrate it into the actions you take. How will I look back on my lifetime? How can I act on that today, right now? How can I align with that, with who that person will be? And what are the threads that I want to have in my lifetime? What are the ethics for being? What do I want to have done well? Here's why I want you to look at these little things and take them seriously and allow them to affect you in all of the tiny, small ways. Your life is a product not of where you choose to go, it's a product of how you choose to live in the moment you are living right now. It's your way of being. That's what makes your outcome. It's not the wishing yourself there. It's not the goal itself. It's the immediate approach you have to dealing with this moment, how you choose to look at it, how you choose to interact with information. And that's all you have ever is the moment you're living right now. Therefore, that's the only thing you have to alter to create a lifetime you dream of. That's a pretty crazy thought. You just tweak all of the little nuances of how you approach this moment and today, right now. You end up in a totally different place. So, as a start, just allow things to affect you. Welcome new knowledge. Welcome your truth. I like to think of it like you're in a little rowboat and you can either spend time rowing toward the beautiful shore, enjoying the sun, looking around, or you can hate on the boat. You can hate on the water and how choppy it is, but you move a lot farther when you're rowing. You get to see a lot more stuff. So by spending today in dissatisfaction, you bring stagnation. And what I'm pointing out with this is not rubbing your nose in it. It's that you actually bring a, a part of dissatisfaction into creation in just the way you live your life because it is part of the present moment. The preoccupation 
creates more of the negative. And over time, it's just as a habit, it, create, it captures a ratio of your life. And with that, it ticks off a couple of the places you would head, just nixes them from your list. And it also, because you're preoccupied, you grow a form of blindness to additional windows of opportunity that exist in your day right now. So the tools I'm going to offer you are small tweaks to an approach to this moment and today. So they're like shifting your perspective, shifting what you're looking at. They're like alterations you make just to your position in your moment of being right now. And for the mental shifts, just bring them back again and again into your consciousness. Just make yourself aware of them. Remind yourself of them. That's all it takes. Reminding yourself and then taking action. So here we go. I have, I think I have six, maybe five. Here are the tools. Tool number one is called Me Talk. This is like an imaginary flashing light that I want you to install into your mind. And it's going to help you notice when you're blocking out what you could otherwise be open to. You go out of a receiving mode. And so think of yourself as having this new kind of warning light on the dashboard that is your life. And this is kind of a filter that will serve you in noticing when you begin controlling. When you're controlling, it's, you're coming from the ego-driven way of being in your life. And it's a habit that if you keep it in check, you can receive a lot more that you would have otherwise just never known existed. Often we block ourselves off from a lot more than we realize. It's like when we stop witnessing and instead control situations. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. A lot of very, very confident, successful people do this every day. And it's part of their job. It's part of why they're paid to do what they do. This is not about losing confidence. It's not about altering your confident sharing personality. It's about keeping it in check and turning it off when it's not serving you, when it's blocking you and closing your ears off. When you start noticing yourself just completely shutting out your environment with me talk, saying I did blank, I have blank, telling your story and not listening, stop and instead listen. Just become a witness. If you're asked a question, that's different, but reserve it for asking alone. So instead of telling others what we are, what we like, where we've been, just be a witness and a receiver. Be open to gifts from outside of you. This is not about not sharing yourself and who you are. It's just that when you get in the state of wanting to talk about yourself, you lose consciousness. You're no longer listening. You are planning ahead and waiting to guide the conversation. And that is a removal of your openness to learning. A lot of the instinct comes from insecurity. And it's an, a want or a need to please or to exert power. And it's part of social life, but it's, it takes over. And when we are possessed by the ego and it controls us, we have me talk in excess. So this is a filter for you to begin choosing to receive more from your environment. It is not something you do intentionally. It's completely unconscious. But part of this tool is assuming that there's a lot more for you to learn and that everyone and everything around you has something to give you. Yes, there are a lot of times you'll be listening to somebody that drives you crazy, but guess what? Sometimes you learn a new lesson in compassion and tolerance. You get to a new level. You become more mature. You will be amazed at how your abilities change just by practicing this. Practicing this. It's like things become enhanced in your character. And you'll also notice just how driven by ego everybody around you is. It's surprising. It's like I'm turning on a light switch. You're like, whoa, what? No one's listening amazing. So that's tool number one. Tool number two 
ask your grandma. And it doesn't have to be your grandma. That's my shout out. But it could be anybody in your life who cares about you and who you respect. And someone who knows you. Basically, I want you to ask this person what they would tell you to change about your life. What would they say are your areas for growth? What, what, are their, what would they say are your areas of resistance? Like what in you needs some work? And create an environment where they can actually tell you the truth and listen to that person. Like don't respond with, well, but like just allow them to speak completely freely. And whatever they suggest, really take it to heart and try and treat it as true. Because often when we get so bogged down in thinking and judging and deciding what our life should be, we lose track of what we might need more of. We can't even see it. The imbalance becomes our operating system. So I, ask, I would say ask one person or a few people close to you. And create change based on that. Take it to heart and alter something in honor of that thing. That's number two. Number three, take off the guardrails on this ride. So think of this one as like when you go on the, I don't know if they even have this still. I haven't been in Disneyland forever, but it's like they had that driving ride. I think it's like cars now. Anyway, in Disneyland, there's a driving ride where you get in these little cars and for really young kids, they would put the bumpers on so that you couldn't steer the full range of the car. So think of this as your resistance in life. And it blinds you, it stops you from experiencing and driving the full range. It keeps you from awareness. And with that, prevents you from accessing new options, new paths, new solutions. So what I want you to do with this metaphor is look for resistance in yourself currently and lean into it. Choose to push yourself to go there. If you feel something in you saying, I don't want that, I'm closing off to that, I don't believe in that, shutting off, choose to override that reaction and open up. Why? Because that's a sign it's an area you need to grow. If you have fear around a certain area, if you have a hate or discomfort, if something makes you feel absolute, that's a sign, that's a lesson you need to learn. There's something in there. So I want you to start to examine those stiff areas in your personality and keep a filter on for where you are blocking openness. What are you not hearing? What are you refusing to accept? What are you dismissing out of habit? What kind of beliefs are blinding you? And just start really small. Just start with one thing. And I suggest doing it today or doing it tomorrow. But choose something really, really mundane that you don't like, that, you cho that you've chosen is not part of you, doesn't align with who you are, or something that's causing discomfort, anything that makes you want to ignore it. And all you have to do is call out this thing. Let's say it's a person that drives you crazy that you think is stupid. Choose to align yourself with the belief that is opposite. In this case, let's say it's, that person is not stupid and I don't dislike them. Deliberately choose to shed the previous belief and experience it as a completely open, new, separate experience. Just give yourself that vantage point and commit to it. Don't judge it. Honor it. Seek out an understanding of the opposite truth. So, for example, the person you hate, maybe you think they're trying really hard. They're trying really hard to please others. And that's really sweet. That's really funny and kind that they care so much. Or, wow, they're suffering so much. It's the key to training in openness into your life pervasively. Just practice the one thing. And... Think opposite. Think, I do like this thing. I do accept that this thing is good. Choose to relax the muscle. Choose to like and to receive the opposite experience. 
That's number three. Tool number four is an acceptance ritual. So 99% of overcoming something is accepting things that we don't want to be true. Accepting things that, that are, that we can't change them, and then doing what needs to be done. I know it's really hard to willfully accept really painful, overwhelming things, especially when they seem impossible to live through. Like having to leave a relationship that you know isn't good for you or understanding that there's a condition in your life that you cannot change and letting go of the knee-jerk reaction to fix it. So this is a tool to give you strength in that difficult acceptance part. I know that part is so hard sometimes. So this ritual has real power for a lot of reasons, but the main reason is that you make something more real in the world by ritualizing it. It's the same reason that prayer works. So all thoughts have a physical form, and that's literal energy. It's electricity. Your brain has a measurable electrical field. You can watch it with standard medical equipment. It's like a heart monitor. There's a ton of electricity flowing through your body, and there's a ton in your brain. We're full of currents, and there's a ton in our gut, a ton in our heart. So when you focus on a thought, you create more energy around it. It has real effects. It has a real current of power. You can witness this energetic power of your own by doing an experiment with bean seeds. I got this one from my girl Pam Grout. So if you want to read more about the energy we emit, I'll put some links to the science at the bottom of the blog post. But just witness the power of your, your thinking energy by planting, uh, I think you take two egg cartons, you plant bean seeds in soil. And one of the egg cartons, you tell them not to grow. You, like, focus really hard on, like, telling them to die. And the other, you say words of love, and you mentally focus on telling them to grow and be inspired. And you will see it, that the ones that you tell to grow, grow, and the other ones don't. And it's really sad, because <laughs> you told them to die. It feels bad. But anyway, they're all their other experiments, but that's a fun one. So this is your ritual practice to more bring to light the acceptance you need to do. So get a small box or a pot and you're going to basically need some kind of container to place either paper that you're going to burn or you want a small box that you're going to place the folded papers on which you're going to write these sacred thoughts. So what we what I want you to do is if you can't address something, if you feel like you're stuck, you can't look at something, I want you to formalize what you want to do, what you know you have to do, by putting it out into the world and creating something that exists, formalizing the thought on a piece of paper. So on a little piece of paper, just write something like, I choose to accept this thing and act in alignment with self-love. Or if you want to address it to some thing like the universe, that's what I do. Um, if you don't like addressing it to anybody in particular, then you don't have to. Just lose that part and just say something affirming your inner strength. So something like, I choose to be XYZ. I have the strength and I will help myself to use it. I will not abandon my truth. I know I can take care of myself. Just say out loud what you want to be true. I know I have the strength to do what needs to be done, and I will do this. Please help me to do what I know is best for me and heal. Those have incredible power. Just sentences like that have incredible power. And if you're like me, and you have baggage around religion, and you don't like religions, I know this can feel really icky and weird. Like, it makes you feel crazy. So just know that part's going to happen and accept it and allow yourself to do it anyway. Allow yourself to have the experience and honor it and to stay open to the effects of it. Don't discount it. Don't treat it as trivial because it feels totally bizarre. Just step back from it. Let go of commenting on it. And really 
be honest and heartfelt about it. Take the process seriously and treat it almost like a meditation where you just really focus on it as you're doing it. And then walk away from it. You don't have to judge it or regret it or think more of it. Just this is for you to really focus on what you feel and what you really want when it's hard to look at that. And I highly recommend you do it in combination with repeated focusing or prayer about it. Like basically just remind yourself of this intention of this thought in you. I know the word prayer usually means something religious. If that freaks you out, ignore it. Just call it focusing. But I just want you to deliberately retell your truth to yourself in kind of a ritual fashion. So it doesn't have to have any religious connotation. And if you have never prayed before, and or if you're not religious like me, then you would need to know something like that. So no biggie. You can borrow my method or you can make up your own. So for me, I talk to the sky or I talk to the moon or I just bow my head and close my eyes or I light a candle and I concentrate on this thought, this, this energetic thought. And I like to speak to the universe, but it doesn't mean anything more than that which is above me and beyond my grasp, out of my control. So it's all inclusive. It doesn't have to be talking to a divine God or a person. It could just be a higher truth that you want to actualize more so in your life. So don't judge yourself or your ritual process. Just make it honest and commit to it. Just commit to the non-judgment. It's not too silly. It's not too much to ask of yourself. That's the other tool. That's number four. And then number five is a meditation. It's an openness meditation. So if you are not in a place to do meditation, you can take a screen cap of the phone and come back to it. But so much of our frustration in life comes from fighting with what we wish wasn't true and what we don't want to have have to do. And when we get stuck in kind of routines and trying really hard and focusing on just what's in our immediate life, we kind of get blinders on. You get up, we go to the gym, we go to work, we go home, we watch Netflix, and you stop remembering that there is a whole lot of unknown and magic around you in the world. There's a whole lot of wonder once you get out of the repetitive system of thought. And that might be because you are a very empowered, efficient person. I think of myself that way. But when you stop and step back from just your immediate life, your immediate routine, you remember and you realize how small you are, how powerless you are, how tiny you are in comparison to history, to the universe, to everything that came before you. And so it really helps to feel the awe of what is outside of you, what is out of your hands. I'm not suggesting you abandon control over things that are within your control. This is a tool to use in the moments of frustration that remind you just to step back and assume a receiving position. Assume that there are gifts you're not open to right now. There are things you can't see at play. There are much greater forces outside of you. And to go easy on yourself. Yes, you should act in alignment with what you want. But the other piece is you have to stay outside of muscling through this life. You have to stop the struggle. And so that means maintaining a distance, a sense of peace in your life that allows you to kind of be guided Go with the flow and learn and evolve. It's like remembering that there's a current that's carrying you with it. And I guess think of it as a humbling process. So it's like taking the keys that you're gripping in your own hand and reminding yourself you are not in control of everything and you don't always know what's best. You can't always see the end of every place you've been before. You can't always predict results. And just 
stay open. So that is what I want you to use this for, is to help you not toil in those moments of struggle. Get back into your human body and invite spontaneity and unexpected gifts. Allow life to affect you, to teach you. So here we go. And um, I recommend you do this sitting outside. Try to do this sitting outside. It's a lot better that way. Sit outside in nature. Take slow, calm, even breaths through your nose. Try to make your breathing outwards just as long as possible. And observe the details of the experience you're having. Close your eyes and take in the colors and textures you see with your eyes closed. Pay close attention to the various sensations around you. Take in every detail possible. All of the tiny nuances of your environment. So what do you feel touching your skin right now? What are the smells? How many are there? Separate them in your mind. And now open yourself to all the tiny sounds. Hear what's farthest away from you. And now pay attention to the air that is coursing through your lungs. Notice the texture of that, how it feels at each stage of a breath. Watch your chest inflating and then falling. Just look at the range of motion that happens in one breath. And now open your eyes and keep the object of your focus very soft and gentle. Just allow your eyes to wander to one thing at a time. What is the smallest texture you can see? Observe that same thing now, but instead notice the light that is cast upon it. Look to see what color it is. And now shift your focus back to the sounds. Notice what is the quietest, most subtle sound you can hear, and what is the farthest away. And now take your eyes to kind of the widest view of your surroundings and just observe all life around you, just as a whole, not in specific. Just notice all things living, whether it's birds or bustling people. Don't attach to anything individually. Just keep widening your range of perception. Observe movement of all energy as a whole. Just take in this portrait of life. And now take notice of just any natural forces that you feel, like any power coming from nature. So the current of the wind that's blowing or any warmth you feel from the sun or any smells of dampness. Just notice the quality of each. Really notice each detail as you experience it one at a time. And now sit in a moment of pure anticipation. Basically wait for something to happen in your environment. Wait to observe something. Anticipate. Almost wait expertly. And just resist the urge to think your way out of it or choose something differently. Just sustain the state of hold for as long as possible. And I maintain a vacant sense of openness. And allow yourself to stay here and only move by 
a cue or a suggestion that's external. So curb the thoughts in your mind telling you to move or to stop this. Just wait for something in your environment to move you, to interact with you. Anticipate. So those were the tools. That was the openness meditation. And in closing, I want to tell you about one of the coolest things I ever learned. The golden mean, which is also known as the golden ratio. It's this ratio that appears everywhere. It's a pattern by which sunflower seeds grow. It's the ratio of the growth of trees, like how the branches split. It's the ratio in the shape of the human face. It's the same in the structure of the human skeleton. It's in every flower, every leaf, every snowflake. It's the same spiral in the galaxies of stars. It's in our DNA molecules. It's in weather systems. And the reason I'm telling you this is to blow your mind and give you a sense of humble awe for something higher than your thinking brain. We are divine in our perfection because we are an expression of this totally divine organic form. We're part of nature. We grow, therefore, we are part of this divine ratio. So I invite you to look at life as something that has a perfect form and that it is your job to fulfill it by listening and then reacting based on it. It's your job to tune to your perfect growth. So I invite you to look at your life's purpose as quite simply to bloom, just like all other organic forms. It's to heal, to grow healthy, and to advance in your maturity as a being and become whole, unfettered by mental anguish, free. We are most ourselves when we are in a state of joy and love, and it is when we are the most rational, capable, and clear. It's when we are whole. It's when we can give our gifts freely to others. We become infinite. We become bottomless. So the present moment is about maintaining your perfect balance, your harmony between acceptance and empowerment. They both coexist equally, but the acceptance piece is vital to helping you stay on your truest perfect path. So if you are guided only by a result, you remove the growing part of the equation, and that's a life lived with blinders on. So instead of controlling it, witness it. Let go of your decided path. Stop judging today as bad or unfair. And instead, listen with open ears. What do you have to accept and let go of so that you can fulfill some new awesome part of yourself? Treat this like an opportunity. Just take a moment to practice awe for the marvel that is life and where it has led you to, which is right now. The capacity of your life experience is much bigger and grander than you can know today. And you will grow bigger and wiser with each day you live through. So welcome experience and practice staying humble to the awe of the universe and growth. Don't discount the power of the unknown because that's when the most amazing change happens from the unexpected things that cross your path. Forgive yourself the job of struggling and just practice relaxing your hold. Make joy an important part of living a successful life and remember that all you can do is your best and be ready constantly to receive gifts. Just trust that something has brought you to this moment and get better at receiving. So don't ditch today to live in the future or the past. Just start with the goal. I want to be open and receive wisdom. And the rest will come automatically, just with conscious practice. So start there with a humble and open perspective. And I hope you enjoyed this. I send you my love and vibes of positivity. Don't forget to smile. Mm -hmm.